Good morning. It is great to be here this morning. I am from LA. We got beat last night. But I think if the series me third, wasn't that so nice of the Lakers to let you guys win? Me third. <laughs> yeah, I live in the smog and trusted city of the LA Basin. The sky is orange. They tell me it's blue, but I don't believe them because I see nothing but orange. And then I get here, and I really don't know how to breathe because I don't have to bring all, all that junk in. I'm like, <sighs> it's good to be here. The week went by so quick. I kept, I came in Monday. I can't believe my time here is almost over. It's been a joy to speak this week to the different ministries of your church to be in your midst this morning. Ever seen the movie, Rudy? I love that movie. It's probably one of my favorite movies. Love it. I love that scene because it talks about two types of people. The quitter or the one that perseveres. Rudy, all he wanted to do was run out of the title and prove himself to his dad, to the world, that he was somebody. And how many times do I do that in my life? Trying to prove myself to people that I'm worth it. Through my disability, through whatever it is that I deal with. Rudy was that within. He wanted to quit. He was ready to throw in the towel because he didn't make the dress list. His dream was to play for the University of Notre Dame. To wear that sparkling gold helmet, the jersey blue and blue. He just wanted to play. He'd gone to practice for a long time. Never thought he would play. He was at his wit's end. There's felt like screaming. You're throwing your hands up in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> Let me show you some important people in my life. They are literally my fan club. Pictures of my family. This picture that you will see on the screen is my mom in the middle, my stepfather who has no hair, so that's okay, his head's tucked off. <laughs> Megan in the green is my niece. She goes to Liberty University in Virginia. Laurel just turned eight three days ago. Evan, you cannot see his face. He's in the saddle suit. He is 12. Love my family. My only sibling in this picture is my sister Dawn. The next picture, and her husband, and of course those are her three children. They all live in North Carolina. And I think, wow, where would I be without those people in my life? Because if you think about life, and you think about the courses of where your life takes you, sometimes you just want to scream. And you just want to throw your hands up in there like you just don't care because sometimes life gets the best of us. 
all of us at one point or another. How in the world am I going to go through this situation? What am I going to do with this circumstance? You ever feel like screaming? You know the time when I want to scream? It's when I'm at Disneyland. And people taught me to get in on this ride called It's a Small World. <laughs> Hate it. They get me in this boat, and why do I always volunteer to go with them? It used to be that because I was disabled, you didn't have to wait in the lines. Oh, come on, Chris, let's go! <laughs> yeah, whatever. And you get inside, and you go through this building, and you're whisked away through this water excursion transfer. And as soon as you get inside this building, those dolls are ugly. <laughs> They're not pretty to look at. And you go through on my life. This thing called It's a World, and it makes it small. And they sing the same song over, but in different tongues, different languages, dialects. I don't know what's going on. And I just want to scream. I want to sit in the boat with a BB gun. And then the ride gets over, and I see the pads of blue in the sky up above, and I'm like, the ride's over. Not for me. I go home. I have nightmares. The dolls are flying above in their magic carpets. Or they're riding unicycles above my head. Ever feel like screaming? Ah! Ever feel like you need to run out of the tunnel to prove yourself to the world? Or maybe to a loved one that you're worth it? I have. My dad. Come from a divorced home. You really can't deal with a son with a disability. My whole life I grew up knowing that he was ashamed of who I was. And I just wanted to scream. And wanted to throw my hands up in the air. Like I just didn't care anymore. A miracle that's responsible for my speaking today is a miracle I want to share with you today. It's a miracle found in the Gospel of John, and it's nowhere else in the Gospels. You know how miracles are similar? They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This one, it's only recorded in John. And it's found in John chapter 5. And I love this miracle. It's my favorite miracle because it's literally influenced my life. And I would love to share that with you this morning. John chapter 5, verse 1, and we will go through verse 9. We won't finish the dialogue here. But check this out. John 5, verse 1, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in our back is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And my eyes get huge in verse 3 because it says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. There were those who were blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. I'm 37. That's one year older than I am today. That's long. What's interesting about this miracle, about the name of this man, we don't know his name, do we? 
The only piece of information we are given is this man has a mat, as we will see later. This man has been in this condition for 38 years. Is he 38 years old? Therefore, was he bored with it? We're not so sure. You don't know. Can it come up later in his lifetime? The only thing we do know is that he is at this pool called Bethesda, a pool where there's a healing effect like no other pool in the world. And there are scatters and tons of disabled people at this place. And they're clinging to a hope. The hope being this, that if they would get into the waters, after the angel of the Lord would come down and stir within, the first person in would be miraculously restored. Here is this invalid sitting by the pool of Bethesda. People are jumping in his way every day. He can't get to that source of hope that he so wants to get to. Can you imagine how he must have felt? With all the strength in his body to creep, inch himself, crawl, drag himself to the edge of the pool, but to no use. Jesus comes walking into the scene. And what we know of Jesus is he is a tremendous miracle worker. He is the light of the world. In John 3, he just gets done explaining to Nicodemus, an official, during the nighttime, who he really is. And he has a conversation with Nicodemus that changes his life because he speaks about eternal life. Then in John chapter 4, he approaches a Samaritan woman that people hate. She's an outcast in society, has a conversation with her, and talks about never thirsting again, because he is living water. In chapter 5 here, we get to one man, and one man only, that Jesus approaches. He doesn't approach the other people there, it's just him. I wonder why him? Why not the others? Do they stink? Do they smell? And Jesus asks the most obvious question that you can think of, does he not? Verse 6, when Jesus saw mine there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? <laughs> Hold the phone. <laughs> There's something wrong with that question, right? Duh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Jesus, come on, cue in here, catch up, come on. I'm sitting here on this mat. You've seen the situation. You know everything. You know what's going on. You have the audacity to ask me, do I want to get well? And his response is, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus says this to him. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this sick place was the Sabbath. This miracle is amazing to me. It's amazing in the sense that Jesus doesn't do one thing. Why is it that other miracles, Jesus just touches someone's shoulder and they're healed? 
Or maybe He'll just speak a word to them. They're restored. Or maybe He won't even be at the scene where the individual is that is sick. And they'll be healed once their loved one goes home. So why of all things would Jesus dare to ask the most obvious question here? It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't seem compassionate to me, to be honest. Do you want to get well? Jesus, keep up here. Look at this. And this infant as a pulpit, I'm sure he was out with ten. I'm sure he was ready to throw in the towel. He didn't see the point of it, of it anymore, just like Rudy didn't. Every day, he went to this place. Every day, Rudy went to practice football, the game that he loved. And every day, he was hoping that he could run out of the tunnel to just prove himself to the people that he was somebody every day. And I'm sure this invalid just wanted to throw up his arms and scream as if he just didn't care anymore. Wouldn't you be tired if you were him? And Jesus walks into the scene. He changes his life. Here's a picture of me in fifth grade. When I was born, I was born with a condition called five motor cerebral palsy. It didn't affect me much. The only thing it affected about me was I shook in my hands. Therefore, because I shook in my hands, I couldn't write with a pen or pencil. I mean, you put a pen to a piece of paper, and the pen would just dance everywhere. It's like you are possessed or something. I don't know what's going on. So I had to rewrite a typewriter. And I would plug that machine into the outlet in elementary school, junior high school, college, had note takers in college, high school. Remember pop quizzes when you were in school? We used to have fun with these because my teacher never got it. We would play games because her formats of her pop quizzes were simple. You know what they consisted of? She would tell us to clear off our desk. Take out a blank sheet of paper, a pen or pencil. Chris, roll in a sheet of paper through that little wheel of your typewriter. Turn that thing on. We're having a surprise quiz. And her quizzes were only this. It's simple. She would read a statement and we would have to respond to it. Was it true or was it false? It was simple. So she would read her statements. And my friends would not do anything. Jimmy over here one day goes, Hey, what you said in there? Shh, shh, shh. Chris is about ready to type. <laughs> yeah. F A L S E. It's false. Just write false. It's false. <laughs> It was so marvelous. And every year, I kid you not, my teacher would say, you had the best penmanship in the whole school. <laughs> and it really didn't affect me. I didn't care that I had the time to be honest with you. I abused the system. I had fun with it. I didn't care. It didn't bother me one bit. Eighth grade, 
a little bit different. It's good with the gear that would change my life forever physically. Not only physically, it would be a year that would put a mat in my life. Like the mat this invalid was lying on. I'll never forget that morning, my eighth grade year. Of all mornings, it was Easter morning. Mom, her footsteps were coming down the hallway. And I knew I was supposed to wake up. It was morning. I'm not a morning person. I knew in a moment's time she would turn the doorknob, open the door, and she would wake me up. And turn out she opened the door that morning. Chris, a beaster. It's time to get ready for church. I love you. I cannot remember a day where my mom did not say I love you to us kids. Every day my mom would tell me and my sister how much we were loved. And so I'm laying there in my water bed. I'm, I'm trying to go back to sleep actually because I'm tired. But I knew I had to get up. I remember this morning like it was yesterday, honestly. The details were so vivid. The birds were chirping outside of my windowsill. I could hear them singing away. I could hear the water gushing through the pipes as the water was sent to the back lawn through the sprinklers to water them. The sunlight was coming through my closed blinds where there's little breaks in my blinds so there would be a spotlight, a sun, a beret just dancing above my bedspread, the particles of dust. It was a glorious morning. Nothing was wrong until the moment I slid my legs out over the bed frame of my waterbed and stood to my feet. And that's when it happened. My head fell forward. It fell so far forward that my chin was touching my chest. It was the weirdest thing I've ever felt in my life. I remember thinking it has its day gleamed like this. That's weird. And putting my left hand underneath my chin and prying it back up to its place. Holding it there just briefly. Slipping my hand away. Only to have my head fall forward once again. I don't know what went on that night. I have no clue what took place. It still remains a mystery, but from that night, my life has been changed forever. And that single night, I came down with a muscle nerve disease. And it took them two and a half months to diagnose it. That's in eighth grade. Not the best time for that to happen. You're going through self-esteem, image, acceptance, fitting in, rejection, E.T. happened to be the blockbuster hit of the year. My neck was bulging out because my head was so lump, so far lumped forward that that name was brandished and seared into my soul and heart from my peers making fun of me. And call me that name every day. 
I hated me. I couldn't stand me. I hated looking at myself in the mirror. I became angry. I wrestled with being better. This was not the life I signed up to live. I want out right now. And the only information that we were given as a family was that this condition could get better and could get worse. And it only grew worse. It affected my speech that you hear this morning. It affects the way that I walk that you see today. My neck's a little bit better. The lump used to be worse than it is now. I remember wrapping a neck brace around my neck just to go out into society. Because I didn't want people to think that I was a freak. I wanted people to think, oh, maybe he was in a car accident, got a whiplash. He'll be okay because when people attribute stuff to that, they don't look as much. And I just wanted to scream. And I just wanted to throw my hands up in the air like I just didn't care anymore. And my dad split. Praise God for my stepfather. I don't know what would happen without him. And my life was torn apart. And my life grew worse. In between 8th grade year and my senior year of high school, it never got better, it just got worse. I began tripping and falling down at school. In this picture that you will see, I'm in a wheelchair. A wheelchair in between my junior and my senior year. I'm white as a ghost in that picture. My circulation is poor. I'm going nowhere. I feel like a prisoner to my circumstance. You know what my mat was? My disability. I wanted to give up. You guys, I wanted to quit. Lord, if you are a God of love, this does not make sense. This hurts. Why is this in my life? Why would you allow that to happen if your love is so great? Didn't we just sing it this morning? Christ be the center of my life, be the place where I fix my eyes. Didn't we just sing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be? Didn't we just think that we were all made to worship when we were called to love? We are forgiven and free? This has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It doesn't make sense. And then this miracle keeps haunting my head. Do you want to get well? The next picture is a picture of me getting ready for my prom. That's in the tuxedo, the picture you just saw. I was getting ready for my prom. Never thought I would see the day where someone would take the place of me third and take me to my prom. Angie, what's her name? And she asked me. I'd be a fool to turn her down. And she would rock me back and forth on the dance floor. She'd do three sixties with me. She didn't care. She loved me. In that picture, I'm on the brink of death. 
You know what gives me chills? It's in that picture, those pictures you just saw. My mom had all the music already played out that she was going to play at my memorial service. That gives me chills. The next picture is a special picture for me because it's a picture of me and Mr. Bill Cosby. And yes, I am wearing pink. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s, and that's my mother. But he heard about my situation. He was in Lake Tahoe. I went to go see his stand-up routine. That's his dressing room that he invited me into. Me third. People. Where would I be without people? Where would I be without Jesus Christ in my life? Sometimes I wonder that, don't you? Just because you come to Jesus Christ does not mean your life is going to be great. Oh, my life is great. It's magnificent. I have the dream job. I get to travel everywhere. It doesn't make it easy sometimes. Me third. I'm glad I have people in my life. People like Rudy, you needed somebody to spur him on when you felt like quitting. Someone that needed to talk sense into him. When you were going through pain, every day feels like practice, doesn't it? Because practice of any sport is not fun to do. No, you want to wait for game day. You want to wait for the day where you can just shine and wear your jersey and head, hold your head high. That's the day you want. That's the day I want. But isn't it often that in the practices of life, the trenches of the soul, the darkness of the deep, the yearnings of your heart where it's painful and you long for things, that is when Jesus shows up. Why? Because he wants you to get well. He wants you to throw your mat aside, stand up and walk. I didn't want to walk. Senior trip of high school. My high school youth group would take us seniors on a houseboat trip. Christian coming? Look at me. See my wheelchair. You answer the question, am I coming? What do you think? We don't know, are you coming? <laughs> no, I'm not coming. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to sit on a houseboat for four days. And I'm not going to watch all of you guys have the time of your life jet skiing, water skiing, sea doing, swimming, and me sit there and watch you? No thanks. Oh no, I'm going to sit in front of my TV all week long and watch it. I'm not going, are you kidding me? Oh come on Chris, that's not like you. Come on. If you go, we'll take care of everything you need. We'll dress you, we'll bathe you, we'll do whatever you need to be done. So I went. It's about three in the morning, one night. Jimmy and I are sleeping in the kitchen area of this houseboat. 
Up on the roof sleep all the others. In the front of the boat is my youth pastor, Rich, and some other people. For some reason, it's me and Jimmy in the kitchen dining area of a houseboat. And I wake up out of a dead sleep. And I had the urge to use the bathroom. And I knew I wasn't going to make it. I couldn't get up and walk there. I needed my wheelchair. Before I knew it, diarrhea was all over my sleeping bag. That was one of the many side effects of the medicine I was on. I'd have accidents all the time. And they were so humiliating. Honestly, it was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go on that trip. So as I laid there in the filth of my sleeping bag, in the mire of it all, I think to myself, why did I come this day? Jimmy! I call out. My friend sleeping away on the other side of this room. Not very big. He didn't hear me. Jimmy! There's still no answer. The tears begin to well in my eyes. They begin to fall over my cheeks and I begin to fall as I'm riveted in sobs. And beside myself, I have had it. I want to throw in the towel. I want to quit. This is it. Put a fork in me. I am done. No more of this stuff. I don't deserve it. I didn't sign up to live it. I hate pain. Get rid of it. No more. Jimmy wakes up. He hears my cries. Chris! I hear him call. In the stillness of the night, it's dark. Chris, are you okay? No, Jimmy, I'm not. I had an accident. As I say, in between my tears. Don't worry about it, Chris. We'll, we'll take care of it. I'm going to get up and go and let Rich know. Jimmy gets up and goes to the front of the house, but where my youth pastor Rich is sleeping and not being there. This is how I was told the conversation went. Hey, Rich, Rich, Jimmy starts nudging his shoulder. Hey, Rich. Jimmy, what is it? Rich is Chris. He had an accident, and he is not doing good. He's angry. He's frustrated. He's crying. He is beside himself. He doesn't know why he chose to come on this trip. But he's laying there, and he can't do nothing, as you know. Jimmy, thanks for telling me. You'll back to sleep, and I'll take care of it, because I've done it several times since his youth pastor. My friend Jimmy said, no way. I'm not going back to bed with my friend being in need. Rich, I'm going to help you this day, tonight. And Rich goes, Jimmy, I don't think you're thinking this through. <laughs> Jimmy, it's really gross. It is going to rock your world. You know that song? Because you had a bad day, right? You're going to have a bad day because it stinks. Jimmy, I don't think you can deal, deal with this. Please just go back to bed. And Jimmy said, no way. I'm not going to sleep. 
until you agree to let me help you. A few minutes later, written to be well in my wheelchair, they scoop me up out of the bar of the filth. As soon as they peel back that top layer, the stench just filled the room. It's caked all over my body. They scoop me up, they cradle me. They put me in the wheelchair, they wheel me a short distance to the bathroom. My wheelchair's too wide to get through the door. They set the brakes, they lift me up, and they drive me to the other side of the bathroom, not that big, into the shower stall. The water turns on. And sure enough, Jimmy was right. He didn't let Rich get into the shower. He really wanted to help a friend in need. And practice me third. He wanted to be linked to the woes and hurts of his friend. And as I'm propped up next to the wall on this in the shower stall, Jimmy steps into it. And he begins to wash all the gunk that's over my body. I'm bawling my head off. I can't believe a friend would stoop this low. Jimmy's not making comments. He's not flinching his nose. He's just watching me. Can't believe it. They put me back in bed that night into a fresh sleeping bag. Thank you. <laughs> they tuck me in. They look me straight in the eyeball and say, thank you. And I'm going to have to scratch my head. Thank you for what? Thank you for letting us clean you up. Uh, me? Are you joking? Yeah, because no, we're not joking. But thank you for letting us clean you up. It was a privilege to do that today. And I'm like, why in the world are you guys smoking up there that I don't know about? <laughs> me third. Matt's. This miracle has puzzled me a lot. It's a miracle that has changed my life. It is a miracle that has been responsible for why I'm a speaker today. That question, do you want to get well? Isn't that the most obvious question you can think of? Of course we want to get well. Yes, we do. The question is how? And I remember sitting in my wheelchair. And I remember a day where I gave my life fully to Jesus Christ and I said, okay, this is it. I'm giving my life to you. I don't know if I'm ever going to walk again. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm tired. I am tired of running out of the tunnel to prove myself to people that I'm worth it. I'm tired of wanting to scream and throw my hands up in the air like I just don't care anymore. I am tired of being angry. I'm tired of what bitterness can do to my soul. I am tired. I want to get up. I can't do this on my own. Lord, would you use me? 
I have no clue how it is we're going to do that. We got a sense of humor. You know, went up to college. Got involved in swimming, didn't think swimming would do anything. I just got involved for PE credit. You need that, right? <laughs> and swimming proved to be a therapeutic class for me. And I kept going to it three days, two days a week for two and a half years. Swimming is the best exercise you can ever do. Swimming is what helped me walk again. I started out in a life jacket. Didn't do much for six months. After that, I started moving around a little bit more in the water. Finally, I was able to walk in the water itself because you're not fighting against gravity. Outside on land, eventually, I had the strength that people held on to me. I could somehow manage to move my legs with their support. And slowly but surely, over time, I began to walk again. I'm driving a car. <laughs> Stay off the road, should be okay. <laughs> I went to college to be a marriage and family therapist. That is what I thought I wanted to do. Well, not thought, I wanted to do that. Because I wanted people to be healed. I wanted people to embrace their pain. As hard as that is, and learn from that pain. I wanted people to get up off their mats. Remember when I told God, I commit everything to you, just whatever, how it is you're going to use me? Yeah. You're going to be a speaker. Who oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. No. <laughs> One person. Maybe it's a twin somewhere else, but that's not me. Remember when you told me you gave your life to me? Well, here it is. That's how I went to YouTube. And I've been speaking for six years. A ministry called Obscure Ministries that I founded six years ago. And its theme first comes from 1 Corinthians 1. 27 through 29. But God chose the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly things, the despised things. He chose the things that we think are insignificant, such as our pain and our mats, to prove that He is. He obscured things of life to bring about a cure for the soul. The last four letters of obscure spells the word cure. He doesn't take away your pain. He gives it meaning. Christ be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. How marvelous and how wonderful. And my song will ever be. I was made to worship. Oh, it's called the love. You know why? Because I've been forgiven and I can be set free even in this body. I just need to get well. I just need to pick up my mat and go. It doesn't mean pain's going to diminish. It just means that pain's going to take on a whole different meaning if only you let God. Blessed be his name.
even on the road marked with suffering because there's pain in the offering. Blessed be his name. So Lord Jesus, as we close this morning, I pray for Matt's. And I praise you for John 5. And the Matt have just wanting to get well. Getting rid of that Matt. Walking, so to speak. Lord, thank you for loving us. Be the center of our lives. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. And I was simply made to worship. And I was called to love. Be third. I've been forgiven. I have been free. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.